Hello, welcome to the Bovenny Stories series. I'm Gemma from the Bovenny Distillery. The Stories series is not just a podcast, but a range of our whiskies that celebrate stories of our distillery and the people who make our drams. In this episode, we're going to talk about a rare discovery from distant shores, a limited edition 27-year-old Bovenny that has spent several years maturing in casks that came to us all the way from Trinidad, a cask that had been used to mature legendary Caroni rum. Today, I have the best office ever. I'm sitting in our William Grant & Sons blending room, just on the outskirts of Glasgow, a magical room which is the birthplace of every single one of our whiskies. I'm surrounded by samples of drams drawn straight from the cask. Wall to wall, floor to ceiling, there are thousands of them. An inspiring place for this morning's conversation. I'm honoured to be chatting to the very man who helped us procure these prestigious Coroni rum casks. John Barrett, MD of Bristol Spirits Limited, and will be joined by our Balvenny malt master, David Charles Stewart, MBE, and his second in command, Kelsey McKechnie. So I'm sitting with John and David now. Hello both, thanks for joining us. Hello. Okay, no, great to be here. Now, you're back together after some time. Your relationship really does go back a long way. Can you tell us a little bit about how you met? Well, uh, that's quite a while ago now. I think it was about 1995 when a dear friend and acquaintance of ours, uh, Wallace Milroy, who used to be one of the leading whiskey purveyors in London, in Greek Street, he asked me to come down to the International Wine Spirit Competition to act as a judge for cognac. He did whiskey, I did cognac. And then during the course of the various days down there, David was there and Wallace introduced us and, and that's basically how we got to know each other. And through, through you know, third party connection. So yeah, that's where we met. Uh, John was in the cognac panel, I was in the whiskey panel. And we probably met over lunch and just chatting with John. I realised that uh, John's company, Bristol Spirits, could, could uh, source, John had a lot of contacts, so he could source the uh, rum for us and he could source a number of uh, different types of casts that we could experiment with on our finishing. In the beginning of many experiments that were to come, and I'm wondering, you know, when you both met, you had quite different roles within the industry, both very experienced. I imagine there was quite a lot that you could learn from each other and that you admired about each other? Well, I think without a doubt. I mean, David was then already a, a, a master within the trade and recognised as one of the leading tasters, blenders and, and responsible people for obviously not only the company's products, but for Scotch whisky and its persona in general. And, and there, there was this, still is, this sort of team of master blenders who came together and really did represent the industry. And without a doubt, he's one of them. No, thank you. Thank you, John. David, you know, it's crazy to think back then you were halfway through your career. <laughs> that was oh, almost three decades no, ago, no, and here right. we are almost three decades later. That, that, that's right. But you'd already achieved so much by that point. Yes. Well, that was great to work with another family company like, like John's, and we knew John had the contacts all over the world to bring in casks that we that the family wanted me to experiment with and John sourced some uh, casks from Jamaica mm -hmm. which, which we put some 17 year old Balvenie into mm -hmm. and, and allowed us to release a 17 year old Balvenie 
Jamaican finish, rum finish, and uh, John also supplied, I think, some brandy casks and cognac casks as well, which unfortunately didn't work for us. Mm. But unless you try, you don't know. And then you can try things like sauterne casks, and then you run into pro problems with too much sulphur and things like that. And, you know, you, you, you have all these funny ideas, and, and some of them work, some of them don't. Obviously, sherry is a great traditional one, Montilla is another one, port is another one, but my favourite is Madeira. Uh, and I, I must say, I just love the effect of Madeira wood on spirit in general. That, that sweet, it, it has both sweetness and acidity, which gives you the, the ability to balance what you're actually trying yeah. to play with. That allowed us to release that 17-year-old Madeira finish as well. So we got these casts again from yep. Bristol Spirits. And yeah. it's one of my favourites as well, the Madeira, Madeira finish. Mm. Yep, definitely, definitely Madeira nut. <laughs> yep. So, John, you have this uncanny knack of finding interesting things. And, David, you have the creativity and the knowledge to, to take these interesting casks and turn them into some beautiful whiskies. Yeah, well, I've been encouraged to, to experiment the family, and that's allowed us to, to release a lot of, uh, of Balvenie expressions over the years. We did that, 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 these 17-year-old Balvenies with the... Mm -hmm the Madeira and the rum and, and the Isla cask, peated cask. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and as I said earlier, John supplied brandy cask and cognac cask and red wine cask, white wine cask. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, he's also supplied the bulk uh, rum for, initially for the golden cask that was sold in travel retail. And then quite quickly after that, uh, the bulk rum for the Caribbean cask, mm -hmm. and John sent us a number of samples to our sample room here. Yep. And we chose the, the, the sample that we'd do for the, the golden cask and also the sample of, of, of the blended Caribbean rum for the Caribbean cask. Sure. I mean, I mean my role is, is to throw up ideas, to put forward samples on the basis that, you know, I'm not expecting you to like all of them, mm -hmm. but maybe, just maybe, within that sort of little selection, there's something that rings a bell, mm -hmm. and that's absolutely whoopee then, because then we can help each other and sort something out. But you, you have to accept that, you know, there's failure on the way as well. So between the two, I mean, over the last 20-odd years or so, I mean, mm -hmm. we've put some interesting things into you, and you've been able to do some really interesting things with them, on the Balvini product. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful whiskey anyway to start with. Yes. So, yes. so you're working on something that's pretty good to get going. And then just by giving these little tints of slight differences, little tints of different finishes, little ideas that come together, sometimes it enhances, sometimes it doesn't. But I mean, you're the master who has to choose and then the marketing department to decide what to do with it. And that's how we go. Yeah. that's. that's... That's right. So, yeah, we're very thankful to John's company to, to give us a, a number of casts that have really worked for us and allowed us to release some of these 17-year-old and also 14-year-old Balvenies and, and different types of casts. It's, yeah, quite a legacy that you've both worked on and put together. And I know I can definitely speak on behalf of any Balvenie lover who's at home listening right now um, who will recognise some of these whiskies that you've referenced in the cast that you've talked about and sat and collected these whiskies and enjoyed these whiskies over the years. So it really is an impressive legacy. We're here today to talk about some, a very specific sample, John, that you introduced to the team 
the Whiskey Stocks team quite some years ago now, mm -hmm. um, and that is the Coroni rum sample. So we're celebrating this new release and we're very excited to release this above any finished Coroni rum. Can you talk to us a little bit about the Coroni rum samples? Well, yes, indeed. I mean, uh, I mean, here we are. I know you can't see it, but I can assure you this is a genuine sample in front of us. <laughs> This is the pre-shipping sample of the actual stock that came in back in 2009. I mean, you can see it's got a lovely amber golden color. It has that absolutely sort of classic Garani, typical style, which is kerosene, that's slightly oily, slightly, uh, I th well, I, th I think kerosene is actually almost diesel, as it were, touch to it, which gives it that magic flavor profile. And so there we are, and, and we sent it up, and, and obviously David and the boys liked it, and we then sent in a stock of casks, which you've had now for really quite a long time, and the rum has been used on various occasions for different things, and the, the casks have been used as well for Balvini. I have to say, I was talking to David earlier on, I mean, one has to think about uh, Caroni in sort of slightly different feel, really, because it was a company which made wonderful rum, um, but was a total failure commercially. Mm -hmm. It was run by the Trinidad government since 1975 till it closed in, well, 2004, five, it stopped distillation. And then eventually the stocks were cleared by about 210. But it produced wonderful rum, which way beyond the capacity they could meet for the, the, the Trinidad market and it went out as blending stock to other people. And with maturation on the island, which is fascinating, as opposed to maturation over here, mm -hmm. and, and most of the stock that we purchased uh, from, oh, I don't know, 2007, 8, 9, 10, that sort of period, had spent at least 10 or 12 years on the island and uh, in I would say slightly ramshackle warehousing, where you get a lot of heat. It's a bit like Kentucky, you know, you, you, yeah. if you're up on the top of the stack, you're gonna get cooked, as it were. So there, there was a lot of stock there. And I first went out to Caroni with um, Ben Cross, who was managing director of the main rum company. Yeah. And we went out in, I think it was 2001, we took a, a small group of wine spirit merchants out to, to visit some distilleries in the Caribbean. And Trinidad was on, on part of the circuit along with Guyana and uh, Barbados and Jamaica and various other places. It was hard work, a sort of trip like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, with Caroni, we went in there and we had very interesting visit, very good sampling. And so you saw the distillery still in production oh, back then? Absolutely, yeah. still, in, still in production. I mean, you know, since it closed, it's, it's gathered an amazing mystique, like most yeah. closed distilleries. But it was in full-scale production at that time. And so it, it set a light that, that burnt. It took a while to burn, actually, because I came back and, and couldn't really find a use for it until such time as we were beginning to ship it out. Because once they decided to close, uh, the, the government started selling off the stock. So we made the largest purchase at that time, and I think one of the largest purchases we've ever made by way of bulk stock. And we, we put some to David, and they took two containers, we shipped it directly in from the island in, in, in Scotland, and 
that's the beginning of the story. And I think when it came in, I think uh, we left the rum in these casks for quite a number of years. And I think in 2014, we were looking to release a 21-year-old Balvenie, and it was either going to be filled into Madeira casks or these Grony rum casks. And eventually we decided to, to release a Balvenie Madeira finish for travel retail. Uh, so this Caroni rum has lain in these casks for another five or six years after 2014. Mm. With this, say, with this age, with 21-year-old Balvenie, now 27-year-old whiskey. So, and of course, now we're looking to release this this Caroni rum finished to Balvenie at 27 years old. Well, that's certainly very fortunate for us that you made the decision not to bottle that back in 2014, <laughs> <laughs> and now we're sitting with a beautiful 27-year-old yeah. Balvenie oh, that spent. Several I, years in Caroni. I think it's also interesting that the, the, the wood that was used, which we shipped it in, we decided to ship everything in its original wood, yes. uh, had already been fairly well used. Mm. But given the length of time it stayed, that the spirit has stayed in there, it has not acquired too much wood effect. So it, it is, it's beautifully balanced. And as we know, with a sample of the end product, um, it, it has that sort of wonderfully enhancing touch just on the Balvenie. And thank goodness that the wood, you know, was not too powerful yeah. because we don't want enormous amounts mm. of upfront wood. What we want are lovely soft tones that come through on the aftertaste, etc. And, and I think that's what we have. Yeah. It is. That, that, that's right. So it's quite good that the wood wasn't in great condition. So most yep. of the effect that we're getting in the Balvenie is the rum itself. It's a bit like the port wood, old casts, and, and you're getting the, the effect from the port. And here, this is pretty much the same. Mm. The wood hasn't had very much effect, and it's actually the, the rum that's actually impacting and giving this whiskey this lovely, rich, mm. uh, sweet flavours that you get from, from... And it's a really quite strong, powerful rum. So. It's absolutely incredible to think these casks have actually been in Trinidad made their way via you, John, over to Dufton, and then sat in our warehouses for several years, filled with this bovine that was distilled back in 1994. So anyone sipping this whiskey truly has a piece of bovine history in the glass. And not just a piece of bovine history, but a piece of your history, John, a piece oh, of Caroni's history. Caroni as well. I mean, they, they are drinking history, because yeah. once this stock is depleted, you know, there won't be more of it. I mean, because Caroni is, is well and truly closed, shut down and, and, and there is no more, and the stocks that are or worship the UK, you know, are being depleted all the time. And it has become a, a cult rum. If you look at all the, you know, bloggers of this world who blog rum, etc., and whiskey and other spirits, etc., etc., you'll, you, you'll see, I mean, it's, it's become quite magical in its reputation. That's really wonderful. So we have a few whiskies in front of us now and we've also got Kelsey who's joined us. Hi Kelsey. Hi there. And we're going to have a try through the whisky and we're going to try the Caroni itself. So John, you very kindly brought us a sample to have a mm -hmm. nose and a taste of mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. Well, I thought it'd be interesting to bring one of the original shipping samples up, which uh, I sent part of it up for you to have a look at yeah, all those years ago. And looking at the three samples now in front of us, it's really quite interesting how similar the colouring is. And when you look at them, I've actually started with the middle one, which is the, the absolutely natural classic Balvini, which I think has all that lovely, lovely style to it. It has 
all those sort of wonderfully dried fruits, well-managed wood, really integrated spirit, things that make it so delightful on the nose. And I know we've just put a splash of water in them just to open them up a little bit. And I will say this is David's pitch, really, but that's really interesting. And then go to the Caroni, the original shipping Caroni sample, and there you get, obviously you get rum as opposed to whiskey, but you get this full, deep, yeah. <clears throat> round, sweet, long nose. It's a long, there's, there's depth and length to this sample, which is, yeah, a, is a wonderful sign of quality. And also it gives you the, the amount of, of oomph, as it were, to, to enhance other products. And it, it means that just by very carefully, very carefully and very technically uh, coming to the blend, etc., cetera, as, as you did, and by looking at the amount and the, the amount of time that you use to bring the wood elements and the, and the Caroni rum elements to the whiskey, it means that you end up with a product such as the third sample we have where Yes, you have the underlying Balvini, which is, David, absolutely wonderful and yes. down to you. Yeah, yeah. But there's this lovely little round touch of sweetness on the end, which the rum is giving you. And, and it just gives another dimension to the overall product, which I could only say from a terribly biased point of view, I think enhances it no end. But I mean, I'm happy to get shot down by David on that. That's not a problem at all, you know. What do you think, David? No, we're obviously delighted with the way it's turned out. And it's great looking at these three samples, looking at a Balvenie that's uh, just from a single barrel, then looking at the actual Caroni rum that John has brought, and then obviously looking at the, at the, cask, the, the at cask, the finish itself. Uh, which I get this Muscovado sugar and Manuka honey. It's, it's lovely and rich, gentle, gentle spices on, on, the, on the nose. So you can see the, the impact that the rum has made when you compare it to the, the sample that, that hasn't had the, the, the cast finished. So no, we're, we're, obviously, we're obviously delighted with it and it's a, it's, it's a rich rum, so it's obviously had quite an impact on the whiskey. And as we mentioned earlier, the, the casks, uh, they're all casks, so there's no impact from the wood itself, so all the, all the impact is actually coming from the rum itself. Do you think we ought to drink it and actually taste it? Well, <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm starting with the absolute 100% pure Balvini, and just to lay the sort of initial step down against which we're judging, and I must say, this is, this is just delightful whisky. It's got that lovely, soft beginning, lovely middle fruit, yeah. length, barley, finish, style. It's beautifully integrated. I mean, it, it, none of that is any, there are no harsh elements in that at all. It is just beautifully put together. I agree, no, that's lovely and sweet, hasn't it? It's got that nice sweet flavors to it. Uh... Absolutely, and because this one's aged on, any of that harshness that you pick up and you make's just flashed off on its own, and allowed to sleep in the cask for at least 20 years in this case, so it's lovely and smooth on the nose, like you say. Mm. A little bit of that deep kind of oak tannins that you get. Obviously, the whiskey, 27 years old, you're going to get a little bit of uh, oak influence from the at 27 years and 
in American oak barrels, but you know it's lovely and rich, and the, the, the rum has added that lovely I'm, sweetness that you get from. Yeah, I'm I'm going straight to the rum. <laughs> I'm I'm totally biased again, so I'm I'm going str <laughs> straight to the pure Caroni, and you get the full power and taste of that, which. It really is quite intense in comparison to the Bovenian. Mm. Quite a treat to stand in this room sipping it's on some rum like this. Weight of shout, as it were. Full flavour right up front on the palate. Comes down through the middle. Nicely integrated spirit again. It's it's well made kit. That's that's one of the Corona's great things. Although they couldn't sell it, they could make it. <laughs> and and yeah. it's it's lovely rum. And then when you put the two together and you end up with sample three. One of the nicest things for me when you compare the two is the density. Mm. So just on the nose and in the taste, the density yeah. between the two, it's just there's a lovely mouth coating effect that you get yeah. off the drum as well. We pick that up in Bovenny, but we see it at, at obviously a far different extent. It's really, mm. really nice. Yes, I agree. No, it's a beautiful, beautiful sample and there you go. Rum obviously works very well with, uh, with Balvenny and this is another great example of how well this, this rum has. Well, I better sell you another tank. <laughs> yes. I'm always so, ready to take an order. There's no trouble there, you know. <laughs> but I think that gives, you know, additional style, additional touches of, of interest to the Bavinian. It, it really is a lovely product. Now, I, I think you've done a wonderful job on putting those two together. Okay, no, thank you. Thanks for giving us a rum, John, for to, to allow us to, to create this lovely Balvenie. Mm, yep. Truly, it has wonderful balance. So it's quite exceptional trying the rum and how intense that is. And when you come to the whiskey, it's still characteristically Balvenie. It's just got that lovely Caroni edge to it. It's, it's a beautiful really fusion, special. isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, John, David, thank you so much for your time this morning. It's been a real treat to have you both here, to be together in Glasgow after all these years and to listen to your stories. Um, I hope you two can catch up and share some more stories together and we'll look forward to hearing from you again. Gemma, thank you very much indeed. David, as always, a pleasure. Yeah, no, thanks, John. It's been a great uh, opportunity for John and I to catch up once again. So, yeah. Thanks, John. Good. Thank you. Okay, Doug. Pleasure. Thanks, Gemma, as well. Thank you. Hello. Gemma here with a brief intermission. I hope you're enjoying the story and your journey with us so far. Next up, we'll sit down with Kelsey and talk about creativity and innovation. To hear more about the Balvenie and discover more about our range, then visit thebalvenie.com. You can find the link in our bio. Okay, let's get back to the action. Kelsey, we just had an opportunity to try a rare discovery from distant shores. And I have to say, it's an incredible dram. It's clear talking to John and to David that the spirit of experimentation, creativity, curiosity is a real theme here in what's led that whiskey mm. to come into fruition. Do you feel that same sense of freedom to create and that same sense of freedom to be curious in your role today? Do you know, I think it's a great point. It's definitely how we start with innovation when we look at trials, when we want to create something new and exciting. We don't really think about it in the same sense of we want to create something that has to become a product. It's sort of been instilled in me throughout all the years that I've been working here that you have enough freedom to be able to try new and unique experiments. And if they don't go to plan and we don't 
absolutely love the quality of them. We won't make them products. So that freedom and the flexibility to have innovation in our day-to-day um, is something that we do and we don't even think about. So it definitely seems to be a theme in all of these bovenies. Um, and it's something that of the spirit that we are laying down today, of the trials and innovations, it's something that we bear in mind. Could you talk to us a little bit about some of the experiments you've worked on over the last few years? Because you joined the Whiskey Stocks team officially in 2016, right? And you've been a part of many exciting releases over the last five years with Bovenny. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the highlights for you? It's funny because since I've been in the team, I've felt as excited about all of the launches, whether I've been as close to them as I am today or um, do you know, had more of a backstage role, if you like. But it's been so much fun working on all of these innovations. When I had first started on the team, um, it wasn't really something that I had known was going to become a product, like we had said. So um, working on things that are closer to me, like the sweet toast of American oak or ones that aren't necessarily Bovenny stories, but you know, one-off products like um, both any 50 year old they are once in a lifetime opportunities to be able to work in these sorts of innovations so I've had such a great time so far in the team and I look forward to what what's in store because it's really been a, a bit of a whirlwind so far with the sweet toast of American oak so here we are almost two years later talking about another new stories release but just for the benefit of everyone listening at home if they haven't explored the other episodes within the story series they can listen to you and I in Kentucky driving around. We go to Kelvin Cooperage where we source the casks from. And we actually meet with Paul who owns the Cooperage and he takes us around and shows us the process. And I think that was just a really, I've got very fond memories from that trip. And it was really um, interesting to see that process and to see Kelvin Cooperage and to hear a bit about how you work and how you've collaborated with them in that whiskey. Yeah, it was, it definitely was um, a memorable trip. and. I had so much fun as well because we do so many um, exchanges with them and different deals in terms of we buy a lot of our cash from them. So to actually go out there, put your hands on them, to mm. to see the cooperage, to speak to everyone, see how they toast the barrels, it was amazing. And actually coming back, you have a, a far better understanding of why they do the things they do and we can appreciate the quality of the barrels a lot better. And I'm sure that helps to inspire you for future experiments. What other places do you seek inspiration for when you're looking for experiments? It's, it's a funny thing to think about where we seek inspiration because I think for a lot of people it isn't necessarily from another practice or process even within the, the whisky industry. We talk a lot about the, the craft and the passion that people have in other industries, whether it's artists or um, you know, chefs, this sort of thing. So it's amazing to be able to apply the passions that people have and to understand why they do things a certain way and bring it back to why we make Bovenny. Do we do things the way that we do because it's the right way? Um, how can we enhance different flavours in the spirit? All these sorts of things. So it's amazing just to speak to other people that have a passion and a true craftsmanship and, and understand a bit more about them. And obviously you work really closely with David and you're learning from David his skills and his knowledge over the last six decades that he's amassed in his immense career. But you for sure have your own interests and your own tastes and things that you like. And I'm just imagining, because I remember we had a chat before and you were saying how your single barrel 15s, you love the pickly ones. <laughs> and Brian and David like to laugh at you and say, oh, well, <laughs> you like these really unusual, really unique samples. So yeah, I guess my question is, 
is there like maybe sources of inspiration like that like things interesting things that you try or your own personal tastes yeah we definitely do have little nuances and things that we like more than others it's funny about the 15 year old single barrels because any ones that don't fit the sensory profile don't make the cut so most mm-hmm. often than not the ones that I'm feeling I absolutely love because they'll be really weird and wonderful mm-hmm. and it's that kind of smell that you keep going back and yeah. back to because there's something so strange about it um, but for me the, the inspiration day to day is definitely a lot of, of around the flavour so being mm-hmm. able to create something that's new and unique I find it so exciting mm-hmm. everyone in this team and at the company I think having laid a hand on the stills the malted barley whatever it might be and then going out for dinner and seeing a product on a shelf or in a supermarket whatever it might be I think we all get that puffed up chest feeling and so to be able to do something in an industry that's been around for hundreds of years to be able to do something for the first time and create something that people haven't seen before is amazing it's something that I love about being in this position that you're most often one of the first people to nose and taste something that no one else in the world has. So you definitely get that puffed out chest feeling. Oh, I'm sure there's lots of people sitting listening to this right now just dreaming of being in your shoes. I've definitely (laughs) had a great few years anyway and all the flavours and um, the smells that we've been able to nose and the ones that we are currently creating and laying down today. I look forward to in the next six decades. Um, I look forward to trying them. (laughs) (laughs) So we're here in your blending room, like this is your your kind of office day to day. Mm -hmm. And I think something that's interesting for everyone to hear about is actually the whole team that you work closely with here, because speaking to John and to David, this whiskey wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the Whiskey Stocks team. Mm -hmm. And you're part of a wider Whiskey Stocks team. So could you tell us a little bit about that team and how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So the team itself is sort of split in, into two. We like to say it's split into quality and quantity. Mm-hmm. So we have the quality side of the team, which is obviously all our, our whiskey blenders. So everyone in the team, Brian, myself, trained nosers, we make sure that the quality of all of the products that we produce, whether it's single malts, blends, the, the, the quality is absolutely perfect. The quantity side of the team is made up of our stocks team, um, wood buyers, and we also have a finance unit as well. And so we want to make sure that we're getting the right bang for our buck effectively, but also that we are buying the cast that we need right now for both any 50 and 50 years time. Are we buying enough cast to make Portwood, Caribbean cask in terms of are we buying bourbons? So all of these things go hand in hand. So. Um, I like to joke, but if we think of this team a little bit like the, the, the brain, which I'm not saying the wider team isn't, but for us, it's amazing to actually be so close-knitted and to be involved in so many different parts of the process. So often it might not appear like we're doing things for the right reason, but long-term we're doing it because we want to lay down stock for here or um, for a special product, whatever it might be. So interesting. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that demand for innovation and experimentation which you know obviously is a big demand across across your whole team um and the the appetite for new whiskies and trying something that's different and trying something that's unusual and unique so could you tell us a little bit about um that 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 demand and kind of what's happening in the wider industry when it comes to experimentation i think it's such a great time for whiskey lovers or people who are new to the category to come in because there is definitely such a fire burning in single malts in terms of they're just 
seem to be here, there and everywhere. The knowledge that people have for single malt is growing. People mm -hmm. are so into their whiskies, and I, I think it's a lovely balance that's coming through. If people who are true, knowledgeable whisky drinkers, they know a lot about the spirit, how it's produced, the distilleries, but there's also a, a group of people coming in who don't know a lot, and so they're picking up spirits because they love the nose and the taste, and they just like the flavour of them. So there's two really unique groups of people coming through, and so I think when they look at whisky, there's such a thirst for wanting more that it definitely amps everyone up. So as an industry, we are all so excited about innovation and everyone is wanting to be the first to do it. We were obviously chatting, as we do many times, about different innovations and almost like the, the buzzwords of the moment and things that people love that are coming through. So for us, it's about being consistent. We don't want to do anything that's a bit of a fast fad. So making sure that we are laying down stock that we think could do something for the flavour that is truly new and unique. And we want to be able to do something in production that makes a different style or something that we can truly stand by and say this is absolute innovation and we're so proud of it. That's for sure been a theme of our conversation with, with David and John as well in talking about, David was saying how over the years John has sourced many unusual, unique casks and different things from all around the world but not all of them have worked and I think, you know, it's definitely reassuring to hear from you saying, well, you know, we'll experiment but it has to be right for us. Absolutely. Well, Kelsey, I'm very excited to try the whiskies that you'll put together in the coming years. Ooh. Me too. I hope you'll love them as much as you do this one. <laughs> Kelsey, thank you so much for your time today and thank you for sharing this incredible whiskey with us. I look forward to sharing many more with you. No problem at all. Thank you so much and it's been great chatting with you. Thank you, Kelsey. And that brings us to the end of this story for now. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to hear more stories from the distillery, then we have a whole series of episodes to explore. If you head to the bio or to www.thebovenny.com. I hope you can share a wee dram of one of the story's whiskies while you listen along. Until next time, slancha! <laughs>